Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Welcome back, everyone. Not going to lie, I'm real pumped about this episode. As we previously said, we're going back and forth between some real deep dives and then some maybe more playful speculation. But our next couple of episodes in this, our Rhythm of War series, are going to be real intense. (laughs) So put on your thinking nerd caps because we are are going deep into the epigraphs from each of the parts in their own specific episode. First time. We've never done this before. We've talked about the epigraphs as a collective in other books, but this is the first time that we are just inspired to go pure episode by episode, epigraph by epigraph. Yeah, I think for Oathbringer, we kind of worked the epigraphs into other episodes, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. But we all know that the epigraphs are super important. And I the think the real story under the story. Yeah, in particular, this book and this first set of epigraphs is legit. So today we are going to look at the epigraphs that flow through the chapters that make up part one. This is Navani Colin's lecture on Fabriel Mechanics. There is a bunch to talk about, and we are going to get to it. But first, we wanted to take a few moments to tell you about some updates in the podcast life. Some quick business. We have, at the recommendation of more than one fan, started a Patreon for the podcast. If you have a Patreon, you can search us, Cosmere Conversations. We are there, and Patreon is a way that people can support the podcast financially without us having to go into the more traditional ad-based mechanisms for podcasts. We don't want to have ads. Nobody likes ads. We really do not. It's uh, not something that we want to go down the road. We've been offered before. The only thing we've ever done is a little Hank Green spot when his latest novel came out. But Patreon is an alternative route that allows people on a per episode basis to pledge a certain amount of money. And we have different tiers with some fun perks that are available, but mainly it's just a way for people who want to, to support the continued creation of the podcast. Yeah. If you've been listening to the pod and you like it, you dig what we do and you want a little way to say thumbs up. Good job, peeps. I like your work then this is a way that you can do that. You can also just continue, you know, commenting on our posts and our Facebook posts and sending us your theories and questions. All of that is awesome also. We want to be clear that the podcast itself, nothing will change about it. You're getting yeah. the same length podcast, yep. the same release schedule. We are Same high quality Cosmere content you've come to expect. We are in no way changing anything for anyone and the patreon is merely for people who want a little bit extra but i think that if you are just a casual listener a casual fan then this is in no way going to really impact you and it's just an option for those who want to support the creation of quality content or we believe to be quality content mainly nerdy content let's be honest (laughs) it's like a very niche market and there's not a lot of uh creators so one of the things that patreon does allow us to do is to give artists and friends the pod opportunities uh to work with like-minded individuals who love the cosmere for example friend of the pod angie has been commissioned to do some of the artwork that will make up some of the perks for high-level individuals on the Patreon. If you have been a Cosmere Conversations fan for a while and you listened to our Shadows for Silence reread like a year or so ago, then you might remember our 
deep joke about misborn pigs, and we were able to commission a truly excellent drawing of a misborn pig from Angie. <laughs> so the misborn pig is viewable by everyone. I commissioned that, so I published it. But individuals who join at our highest tiers, which is the Cosmere Knot tier and above, will get a custom commissioned work by Angie. And in the future, we may work with other fans uh, to produce other types of perks. Those are the types of things that are offered. We will also be doing little mini bonus episodes for certain tiers of the Patreon and some Ask Me Anythings where we can theorize wildly. If you have any interest in supporting this podcast at any time, please visit the Patreon. Again, you can find us at Cosmere Conversations. We're on Patreon. We're on Reddit. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on all the things that all exist. And we appreciate everyone who participates and downloads and listens to the podcast. Let's get into it, though. Epigraphs for Part 1, Navani Colin's Lecture on Fabrial Mechanics, presented by Navani Colin, the Coalition of Monarchs in Urethiru, on Yesavan. 1175. Brooke, what do you think is the biggest takeaway from these epigraphs? The biggest thing that jumps out is the metals. We get a bunch of information about some very familiar metals and their uh, relevance in the creation of fabrials on Rashar. This was mind-blowing. In fact, the presence and the focus on metals around the fabrial or the captured spren. There is a cage that makes up, you know, the total machine of the fabrial. When Brandon starts hinting that the metals that are used in that cage around the captured spren were meaningful and maybe directly connected to the metals and how they're used in the Skadrian metal-based magics, my brain was blown. I was just like, oh no, the whole Cosmere is coming Everything together in starts front of coming my eyes. Together. Yeah, because we also hear a little bit about uh, the relevance of certain gemstones and things like that also. But I think, as you pointed out, it is laid out quite clearly in these epigraphs that metals have consistent effects across the Cosmere, which is very interesting. That makes it very clear that the effect that the metal has is not dependent on the shard or like the planet that it's on, but that it's inherent to the metal itself across the board, no matter where you take that metal or where that metal is found, which is fascinating. And then we also find out that as you said, those metal cages are having an effect on the captured spren that is incredibly similar to the effects that we've seen on humans, even like physical metals, which is just fascinating. And it just makes me wonder what is the correlation between humans and spren? Like, obviously, they're the same in some way to be affected in the same way and like how are the metals working physically on a being that is mostly cognitive i don't know yeah as if the confusion about how all these different magic systems work individually was not enough now we need to start wondering how all of the different magic systems can be co-combined and commingled together, and then what will that create? Because for the longest time, it has been the belief that metals on Scadrial were unique and specific and special to Scadrial. This part comes from something we've talked about before, but in Mistborn Secret History, Kelsier sees human souls and metals as the same kind of candlelight glow. Yeah. yeah. And so his connection, we don't know this is 100% correct, but this is where it comes from. He can directly connected souls and metal from Skadril. And we know that humans and all of Skadril was created directly by 
preservation and ruin. So the concept was like they made humans, they made metals, they made them special on purpose. Right. And it seemed like the metals were invested because of the specific shards on that planet. And now we see that metals being used on a different planet also have similar effects. My question is, are all metals exactly the same across the Cosmere? Or is Scadrian metal like the most pure version of these different metals would they have a stronger effect if the metal came from scadrial in the same way we see on rashar how different gemstones there's like a pure and perfect gemstone that is better at holding stormlight and then worse gemstones mm. that leak it no because the gemstones have to do with the way that they are cut so that's like something that humans can create or influence and also the color which we'll get to in a moment when it comes to the gemstones yeah i don't know if color affects them being quote-unquote perfect but it does affect other things this question about what is metal and how is metal used in fabrials is hugely significant to the creations and inventions that we see in rhythm of war I think clearly a Cosmere-aware individual has to be thinking, oh, this is another example of the trade importance across the Cosmere. If metals become super valuable because of a specific type of machine and fabrial that's created, maybe something like bronze all of a sudden becomes hyper-valuable because it can be used in a super necessary right. fabric. Like they're, you mean like they're using it for a specific fabrial in a way that is outstripping the natural production of Rashar exactly. of that specific And metal. so you need to start yeah. importing and or you need to start sharing how to create fabrials around the entire Cosmere. But I think the first thing is to try to get as much of these valuable metals as possible if you're going to be producing at a large scale. Clearly, this hasn't happened, and it may be like the second volume of Stormlight Archive books after the time jump. But let's go to some of the quotes from the epigraphs. I think this will help center us and, and give us a base to move forward from. Would you read the first one? Yes. Quote, With a captured spren, you may begin designing a proper fabrial. It is a closely guarded secret of artifabrians that spren, when trapped, respond to different types of metals in different ways. A wire housing for the fabrial, called a cage, is essential to controlling the device. End quote. And it's those cages and the different metals that will be used in them that are going to impact and have an effect on the spren. Let's go, yeah, let's go over to what we know about how the different metals affect the sprens when they're being used in fabrials. And we're just going to pull directly from these different epigraphs or other hints we get from Rhythm of War. For example, I'll start with iron. When used in a fabrial cage, iron works like this. Quote, an iron cage will create an attractor, a fabrial that draws specific elements to itself. A properly created smoke fabrial, for example, can gather the smoke of a fire and hold it close, end quote. And just to bring it over to Scadrial, so we have the Cosmere connection, iron allows for the user to pull on nearby sources of metal. So we have attracting any objects when inside and used as a cage for the fabrial, and a pull on scadrial so the pulling metal is pulling everywhere yeah so again yeah we see that correspondence across the cosmere and then i do just want to let's just say everything we know mm -hmm. about the metals just so you know these are good resources for people who don't have time to do this stuff on their own because i understand that Ferrochemically, i think that's my least favorite word in the cosmere <laughs> Ferrochemically, chemically iron stores physical weight and hemologically, it steals strength. We don't know anything about steel on Rashar, so we'll skip that one and move on to tin, which is our next epigraph. Quote, 
A tin cage will cause the fabriole to diminish nearby attributes. A pain reel, for example, can numb pain. Note that advanced designs of cages can use both steel and iron as well, changing the fabriole's polarity depending on which metals are pushed to touch the gemstone. This is incredibly important and used during Rhythm of War to reverse a pain reel. Instead of taking pain away, it is reversed and gives incredible pain, so it becomes like a one of the traps or weapons that Navani uses. When we are an allomancer, tin, of course, increases senses. And I think that that is exactly what the tin cage would be doing because it has to sense what is going on before it can adjust, uh, either diminish oh. or increase. Hmm. That's my thought about. Yeah, this one I think is interesting. It also stores senses if you're using it as a metal mind or steals senses hemallergically. So I guess like the correspondence is that the fabriole that we know of is also sort of doing a sense-oriented uh, job. Exactly. That's what I think. It's all about kind of identifying those senses and increasing, depending on the polarity that is used, you can also decrease with the fabriole. And I think that mm -hmm. either or is going to be very important to fabrioles for reasons we'll talk about in a moment. Let's go to pewter. With pewter... As an alamanter, it increases strength. This is ham and the pewter burners. But also that includes like balance and things like that. So general physical ability. As a ferrucumus, you can store physical strength. And using a hemallergic spike, you can steal physical powers from individuals. So all about stealing those physical attributes or abilities when it comes to a fabriole, we have this quote, quote, a pewter cage will cause the spren of your fabriole to express its attribute in force. A flame spren, for example, will create heat. We call these augmenters. They tend to use stormlight more quickly than other fabrioles, end quote. So again, the augmenters, the boosting of physical abilities, the, you know, tiny flame spren then being boosted to create a bunch of heat, all doing very similar things across the Cosmere. This discovery is just breaking my brain <laughs> apart all over again it's when you so start cool. to combine all of the different aspects of the Cosmere and just like how much planning all of this took to get right and not to completely, you know, shoot yourself in the foot in the first book so that you can't be doing this in book 22 or whatever we're on now total. Yeah. Next, we move on to the more internal metals, brass and zinc. Brass, when used in a fabrial, quote, will cause the spren to withdraw and its power to dim. So it, de uh, end quote, it decreases the expression of that spren. Um, on scadrial, it soothes or dampens emotions. Ferrochemically, it stores warmth. And hemallergically, it steals emotional fortitude. Moving on to zinc, the other in that pair, the allomantic ability is to riot or inflame emotions. The ferrochemal ability is to store mental speed the hemallergic ability is to steal human mental and emotional fortitude. And from Rashar, the quote is, quote, The two metals of primary significance are zinc and brass, which allow you to control expression strength. Zinc wires touching the gemstone will cause the spren inside to more strongly manifest, end quote. So this one, of course, increases expression where the brass decreases the expression. I wonder what the difference precisely is there between pewter and zinc, because they're both like increasing it, you know? I think what the main difference is between the augmenting and just the decreasing and increasing is that augmenting is like throwing gasoline onto an already lit flame like it 
gives it a burst and it forces it to express itself with a a show of force the zinc and brass i see as almost like fine tuning either a radio or or some type of a you know slight adjustment that you are making mm. and if you basically only had pewter that could do a really poor job of having like a bunch of uh, zinc wires around your cage. But if you are doing something that requires really fine adjustments, that's where zinc and brass, I imagine, are going to come in. I also wonder if there's something about this that has to do with like pulling the spren more fully into the physical realm. Just with the description as brass causing a withdraw, it literally says, will cause the spren to withdraw, like it's almost going away, versus zinc causing the spren to more strongly manifest. Like, is it more strongly manifesting in the physical realm, you know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, it's rioting the spren, right? Mm -hmm. And it's exciting the spren, maybe giving it what it wants or making it thinks making it think that it is getting what it wants mm. and therefore is more attracted mm -hmm. um and that is now we have to like always try to keep these connected because we know that brandon's clearly set up this connection and so yeah i imagine it like a it, it's rioting it's riding the spren we don't see copper in any uh, fabrials that we know of anyway, but we do have uh, some quotes on bronze in Navani's lecture and quote, a bronze cage can create a warning fabrial, alerting one to objects or entities nearby. Heliodors are being used for this currently, and there is some good reasoning for this, but other gemstones should be viable, end quote. Super interesting here, kind of indicating that where previously we thought that gemstones were kind of the key to getting different uh, types of fabrials or different reactions out of the machine. This is indicating that metal might actually be even more key to that. Of course, on Scadrial, bronze allows a, an allomancer to hear allomantic pulses Ferrochemically, it stores wakefulness, and hemallergically, it steals allomantic enhancement. Let's talk about the more esoteric of the metals, starting with aluminum. Or, as it's called on both Rishar and Cell, Ralkalest. The allomantic ability is to destroy the reserves that an allomancer is holding, used against Vin a couple of times. The ferrucumal power is to store identity, going to be super important, and the hemallergic ability is to steal enhancement allomancy. As a fabrial cage, aluminum hasn't necessarily been seen in force, but what we do know yeah, about it- Yeah, they've only like just started playing around with it. Yeah, we do know that it has the same type of- nullifying ability when it comes to radiant powers and any form of investiture. This is what Navani says about it. Quote, the simplest fused weapon against us isn't truly a fabrial, but instead a metal that is extremely light and can withstand the blows of a shard blade. This metal resists being soul cast as well. It interferes with a great number of radiant powers. End quote. This is the thing that I could see there being some Cosmere trade around because it's going to be super important for the Artifabrians on Rashar, and it does not occur naturally, at least not in great quantities, on Rashar. They have to trade for it. And we know that Navani has already experimented a little bit with being able to nullify the planes of movement. Yeah, it lets her isolate movement planes and is what allows her to create the fourth bridge in Rhythm of War. So highly valuable. As we talked about last week with our Thydekar episode, aluminum is naturally more occurring on the Skadrian planet and will become or already is becoming their primary export. 
I'm assuming a bunch of that is going to need to go to Rashar so they can create more and more of these advanced Fabril machines. I think that's going to be like their number one export. Everyone is going to want aluminum because of its properties. We see on Cell in The Emperor's Soul, Ralkalest is really important because it is the only unforgeable metal. So it's used on, uh, you know, cages and stuff to keep forgers um, inside. That is really the only uh, higher metal that we see on Rashar so far. We don't really see any implications for duralumin, gold, electrum, nicrosil, cadmium, band alloy. Those are all still scadrial only as far as we know. Yes, we assume that there will be a similar type of fabrial cage manipulation with those metals that is possible, but we haven't seen any type of use of that yet. Well, and it might be the same kind of thing where it's not naturally occurring on Rashar. Exactly. So, so they, they haven't had yeah, a chance to experiment. But this is where our last episode and the Cosmere economy comes into play, because as we see that trade start to increase and bump up, we're going to see more and more things being traded. And then they'll have the opportunity, I assume, to experiment with these at a later date. There is, of course, the god metals that exist on Rashar of Tenevastium and Racium, and we assume a cultivationism coravellium but racium is seen and used on rishar specifically it is the blade that rabaniel uses to stab not only her daughter but also but also moash as he's attacking Navani at the end of Rhythm of War. And they use it for a bunch of their experiments and stuff too because Racium conducts investiture, which is super interesting. And Navani agrees with me, quote, the fused have a second metal I find fascinating, a metal that conducts stormlight. The implications for this and creation of fabrials are astounding. The fused use this metal in, in conjunction with a rudimentary fabrial, a simple gemstone, but without a spren trapped inside, end quote. So this is also important because they're using a non-spren trapped gemstone as well. Yeah, because they can use it because it conducts investiture. It will conduct the investiture down the length of the blade and then into that gemstone. That's one of the ways that they use to get light or investiture into their gemstones. And I feel like that's going to be incredibly important because what we know right now about Navani and the sibling is that they are in a rough alliance or, you know, an alliance that came after a lot of work because fundamentally what the sibling wants is for there to be no more fabrils. She sees it as like enslavement of the spren. At least, yeah, not the type of fabrils that exactly. have become commonplace on Rashar. So there has to be something, and maybe it's racium or the use of racium, that can create fabrils without capturing spren. Well, and just, you could imagine some kind of almost like a lightning rod mm -hmm. or something made out of racium so that you wouldn't have to put your gemstones out in the storm in order for them to get reinfused. The sort of lightning rod type thing would take the investiture from the storm, channel it down into your house. It would be like electricity, yes. right? It would just bring that right in, infuse your gemstones, your house stays lit, and you don't have to worry about putting your valuable gemstones out where someone might steal them or instead like instead of I mean instead of solar panels, yeah, they would have you a would racium have... lightning rod. Exactly. And oh that, man. Oh, too crazy. I'm really excited about that. I think the big point that we need to take out of these epigraphs is that we're there's no stopping us now the cosmere is like full-on colliding every aspect is important the trade is affected the future of all of these planets is tied up in these machines that are being talked about and invented right now and there is so much more this is like one quote in to the <laughs> epigraphs 
we are going to continue down that path because next we're going to talk about gemstones. But can I throw one more kind of crazy theory at you? Of course. Hit me with the craziness. (laughs) Okay. So if racium continues to become a more integral part of society on Rashar, what if it also enables a more uh, like credit card system of money exchange where you don't actually have to like hand over all of your gemstones. You would just have like a gemstone or something that holds all of your valuable investiture and then they would just like suck it out with some oh, raisium. So kind of like and a- you would just be exchanging the actual valuable part, the stormlight, instead of like all of the little fiddly bits. No more coins, just credit cards. Yeah, I would think the appropriate name would be a debit card, right? Because yeah, I guess you that's are true. actually still transferring something. Yeah. The, the whole concept of a credit card is that you don't need to do that. That like what you are talking about is still an intermediary step. Well, to where I know, we but you know what I mean. It's the difference between plastic and metal coins. Yes, 100%. And that's an important thing that does need to happen on Rashar is the evolution of their financial system. The more complex your trade is, the more complex your financial system needs to be. Ooh, yeah, because especially if you're trading uh not even internationally, interplanetarily. Exactly. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. Okay, let's get back to our next uh, sort of aspect of creating fabrials. Which is the entrapment of the spren. And what Navani specifically says is important. And this epigraph is what sets up the Teravodium moment at the end where Teravangian is literally sucked into the shard power that is odium. But it begins right here with a couple of the quotes that Navani has in this epigraph. So first, let's start off with the type of gemstone. Quote, the type of gemstone is relevant. Some spren are naturally more intrigued by certain gemstones, end quote. We, of course, need to attract the spren. And so the gemstone is one of those elements that different spren will be attracted to different yeah. gemstones. So but- it'll affect your uh, level of success in attracting that spren if you have the most effective uh, type of gemstone. And we learn later that not only is the gemstone an important aspect, but the color of the gemstone is as well. In fact, it is the sibling who says, quote, color is like flavor to spren, the sibling said. It is part of the soul of a thing, end quote. The second aspect after attracting the spren is calming the spren with something it knows and loves. Fire, for example, would be used for a flame spren. Then you also need to make sure that the gemstone is infused the correct amount. So it can't be completely done, and it also can't be completely full. It can only be partially infused, and they've determined that about 70% infusion is optimal. Because the next thing that you are going to do is remove stormlight from the gem. So you had that 70% stormlight filled, and then you are going to start removing that from the gem. Now, the process of removing is a closely guarded secret at the beginning of the book, uh, but it's all tied up into rhythms and music, and that we will talk about in a moment. The removing of stormlight from the gem creates a differential and the differential is then what causes the spren that is nearby that has been attracted to be absorbed sucked in and trapped by the waiting gemstone and then the last step of course is to add your metal cage to modulate that effect and that's all the stuff that we just talked about so using those different types of metals will then help you modulate the abilities of the spren Some additional information on this from our beloved Cosmere scholar and patron saint of the pod, Chris, from the Ars Arcanum, quote, 
As the chemical structures are identical for several of these gemstone varieties, aside from trace impurities, the color is the most important part, not their actual axial makeup. I'm certain you will find this relevance of hue quite intriguing, particularly in its relationship to other forms of investiture. End quote. Obviously, they're referring to the Nalthian color-based magic system. And because we know from Rashar that color and or that light and sound are linked, it is super important to remember that when a thing is you know, attracted by color or color is important, there's also an element of sound that is important as well. You just mean that because color is also a wavelength? Yes. Got it. Yeah. And then this next talking point, we're just going to read this brilliant quote from Navani. Quote, all of this is tied up in the intricacies of the art, as is understanding one last vital kind of spren, logic spren. Logic spren react curiously to imprisonment. Unlike other spren, they do not manifest some attribute. You cannot use them to make heat or to warn of nearby danger or to conjoin gemstones. For years, artifabrians considered them useless. Indeed, experimenting with them was uncommon since logic spren are rare and difficult to capture. A breakthrough has come in discovering that logic spren will vary the light they radiate based on certain stimuli. For example, if you make the light leak from the gemstone at a controlled rate, the spren will alternate dimming and brightening in a regular pattern. This has led to fabrial clocks. When the gemstone is trapped within with certain metals, the light will also change states from bright to dim. This is leading to some very interesting and complex mechanisms. End quote. Probably the most important aspect of this epigraph right here is the bit on logic spren. And the cool thing that they're doing with it currently is tracking time with those beats that the spren will create of light on, light off, light on, light off. Timekeeping is very cool. Like everyone can kind of get behind keeping time as a nice little invention. But more importantly to the greater Cosmere and where I believe the last line about some interesting and complex mechanisms being created is pointing us to, I believe that Navani is talking about the creation of Rashar and the Cosmere's very first computer. Of course, if you know anything about computers, you will recognize that the most basic aspect of computing are logic gates. Logic gates that have the ability to switch on or switch off to create a one or a zero. And that gives you the ability to then create binary language and develop all of the different aspects of computers that we see today that yeah. we did in a very short period of time. Like, but everything is built on that underlying principle of yes, no, gate. on, off. Yes. And so what Navani is talking about is a very, very simplistic and basic logic gate that they can control by using logic spren. I think the name is a clear hint and a clear link to show where this is going, that yep. Brandon knew what he was talking about. <laughs> and in the same way that mechanisms of timekeeping allowed, for example, the ability to travel because you could develop lines of longitude around the planet by tracking time and you get like the development of GPS and all of these different technologies really come from a very basic understanding of like, if you can control on and off, on and off, on and off, then that simple mechanism can be manipulated to incredibly complex uses and abilities that we see in computers. My a tiny bit of color commentary to add to this is that we also see this in the way that logic spread well not logic spread but their higher counterpart ink spread in the cognitive realm uh the way that they speak everything either is or is not like every statement that they make is either this podcast is or this podcast is not 
that's a great catch and a really good reminder that Yasna is bonded to an inkspren, yeah. which means that her shard plate is a manifestation of logic spren taking metal form on this side. And we do believe she is a fourth ideal radiant. At I mean, this we point. don't believe anymore. We know. Oh, of course. <laughs> the All of our theories have become substantiated. Do we want to go down to that section? Well, I just want to say that that's probably important because it gives the else callers maybe a permanent role as like the computer theorists of the Cosmere if they can produce or manifest logic spren at a huge rate and they are rare otherwise, they could maybe be the logistical experts of the Cosmere economy. Always has to be about the economy. It is. Everything is. Let's read a little bit about uh, Soulcasters, because this is another important aspect of the Rasharian universe. This is, I'm going to say, one of the absolute biggest, most important discoveries slash reveals in Rhythm of War, is all of the additional information we get about spren devices and physical manifestations of spren and like the truth about the Soulcasters. Quote, Soulcasters manifested as small, unresponsive spren hovering with their eyes closed. So the Soulcasters did have captured spren, a radiant spren judging by their shape, intelligent rather than the more animal-like spren captured to power normal fabrials. These spren were held captive in Shadesmar and made to power Soulcasters, end quote. And that is a quote from Navani, who is sort of detailing the process of trying to they're still trying to figure out how the ancient soul casting devices were made because after all of these discoveries after all of the scientific research that they've been doing after all of the great cool new fabrials that Navani has been able to create they still don't know how those soul casters work soul casters do not have captured spren inside the gemstones which is the only way that they currently know how to make fabrials. And now that they have Radiance who can look into Shadesmar, they've uncovered that there are these spren on the other side. Then she starts talking to Raboniel, and Raboniel leads her to the revelation that, quote, Soulcasters didn't hold spren because they were spren, manifesting in the physical realm like shard blades. Spren became metal on this side, end quote. Soulcasters are shard blades. Spren became metal on this side. I believe when you combine the other things that we learned in Rhythm of War, specifically Maya and her declaration that this was a choice that the shard blades or the, the spren at the time made, she is a radiant spren, the others are radiant sprens, and they said we are choosing to break our oaths choosing to go through this process what if other spren had found a way to make the same choice but maybe not with the same consequences in the form of soul casters mm. like these spren's are like we also want to help we also want to be on the physical side and we are going to do that by becoming soul casters yeah and it's oh, i just i can't wait to get more information about this because navani doesn't say precisely what type of spren appears in the cognitive realm where the soul casters are like i wonder if it's a specific type of spren maybe or is it any spren who makes that choice right but it just makes so much sense right we're like on the path of answering this question that dalinar has been asking since the beginning which is why do we only have shard blades and the answer is well you didn't used to yeah, of course. we find out when kaladin bonds sill that she doesn't have to be a shard blade she can be a spear she can be a fork <laughs> you know or she could conceivably be a soul caster right so then it's like well this totally makes sense because not every knight radiant not everyone with an owl bond is going to be yeah a fighter and so the the spren can manifest as something else to feed people to uh heal people or you know all the other things that soul casters 
do. It makes so much sense. And how wonderful that the thing Dalinar kept asking himself was right in front of, not his face, but because he is not allowed to use a soulcaster. Soulcasters are kept off, and all of the secrets are guarded about soulcasters. So the answer was just this nearby technology that he couldn't even connect in his mind of like, oh yes, shard blades, which I'm a master of and have like a deep knowledge, we would assume some type of relationship that Adolin represents more fully like his mm, relationship yeah. is the most pure but like i'm sure dalinar has a similar relationship to his blade and yeah. plate. they talk about it all the time and so he had this intense relationship with the shard blade and shard plate and his mind did not have the ability to say the same thing about soul casters no one's mind did no one made this connection until navani comes through and is just like no they are the spren. The soul casters are the spren on this side becoming a metal like your shard blade. I mean, to be fair, not even Navani. It was really Raboniel. Like, I don't think Navani would have gotten there on her own, at least not for a while. Um, but that's the whole premise, right? Like, we need each other. Props for cooperation. Um, however, I also wonder if this means that soul casters and shard blades are both made out of tanavastium. It's never really mentioned what precise metal soul casters are made out of. I would assume that they would both be tanavastium if like, you know, if spren manifest as metal in the physical realm and they manifest as shard blades, which are tanavastium. You would think it would be the same, that they would like always be the same metal. Isn't the honor blades tanavastium that we know for certain and the shard blades not necessarily something that we know for certain is tanavastium? Or do we have confirmation that shard blades are tanavastium as well? Honor blades are pure tanavastium. And then shard blades and shard plate manifest as an alloy of tanavastium and cultivation's god metal. And the proportions of those two metals in the alloy differ depending on the type of spren. So you would assume, you know, an honor spren mm -hmm. would be a higher percentage of tanavastium, whereas like lifts shard blade and shard plate one day are probably going to be higher percentage of cultivation metal. And to just make it kind of extra confusing, we had that creation of the honor blades as well, which was honor focused and honor done. So that was a pure Tanavastium blade that was created. We believe that the Spren blades, every time they manifest, are coming into the world as an alloy and in the recreants when the blades like Maya were left behind, they just maintained that physical form and lost their ability to either change, puff away, and that link back to the cognitive realm that they had. And that's why they appear as like gouged out spren on that side. On that note, like we said earlier, we have hard confirmation that all of our theories were correct and that shard plate is many lesser spren together. Um, Kaladin's Plate is formed by wind spren. We see Yasna's formed by logic spren. Interestingly, the plate is apparent all the time, or excuse me, it is not apparent all the time, but it is there all the time. And kind of, you can imagine just like a swirl of electrons around an atom. They're almost. like your guardian angels. Yeah. Just always there waiting to be needed. And even if they are not visible Kaladin is basically said to just like have like a force field kind of of windspren around him at any moment. And we would assume the same for Yasna as well. Of course, another way that we see spren manifest manifesting in the physical realm is the sibling who is manifest in the physical realm as all of Urethiru's many interconnected fabrials. Those include the veins that Navani and other characters use to communicate with the sibling or at times kind of via the sibling to each other. And 
it is probably a blend of the natural earth that like i kind of wonder is the sibling the connective tissue that is made by or that is made around this creation that was done by the shards to create like the tower of Urethiru mm. with uh cymatics was that a kind of a big experiment done by the shards out of rock and then the sibling kind of infused that with her metal that was supported by her own tower light uh yeah i think that that is totally correct the because of the similarities between erythiru and other cities um the i think they're called the dawn cities mm-hmm. like kolinar we see those similarities with the strata and things like that i think that the actual tower of erythiru existed previously and then the sibling manifested like other friend manifest as soul casters you know full fabrials the sibling just manifested as ultra fabrials all inside of the tower and they are everything they are the veins they are the uh heating they are the pressure they are everything all yeah. of the systems that exist in the tower is the sibling a crazy thought but i do just think of it kind of like that's her body and the skeleton was maybe built by honor and cultivation collectively in the form of the tower and then the body is the sibling and so like that's just where she's chilling i want some cool artwork to start showing up of just like meditative sibling just as part of this gigantic 200 story tower we also know from a word of brandon that the sibling does not see themselves as being any gender because it's not a human and so doesn't need to (laughs) they are they they are they let's just hit the fans with some fun fabrial facts FFF. First, we have that we find out that rubies and flame spren are the easiest to divide, and that's why they are used so often for conjoined fabrials. They have the quickest response time. Quote, other types of spren do not split as evenly or as easily or at all, end quote. I would be a tiny bit worried because of the hints we've gotten about what happened on Ashen that some spren do not split is more appropriately some spren do not like to be split. And like explode. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And if you force something to split, it's like splitting an atom and can have really terrible impacts. That's a good call. But a conjoined spren, or excuse me, a ruby uh, does seem to not mine being split and is used for their span reads. What I found is interesting is what was translated from Navani's drawing uh, is that artifabrians use fabrial, the word, to describe a gemstone with a captured spren, which is then used in a machine such as a pain reel. Yeah, so sort of in the broader world we would call the the whole thing is a fabrial right like they now have fabrial hearths which is you know the whole device is just called a fabrial however if you get more into the actual scientific community specifically the gemstone with a spren just by itself is called a fabrial. You then insert that gemstone into, you know, its cage and its whole network of other accoutrement to make the full thing. And they call that full thing a machine. But normal people can't really be bothered to call it that. And I would guess like why on our planet, there's so much attention paid to marketing and like what things are named (laughs) you know the iphone is an iconic name that follows you so now we just have iphone 12 like they don't make up a new name because they got one really good name of things well i think this is significant because we know from word of brandon that he said fabrial the word fabrial is an appropriate term to use for any uh cosmere wide sort of magical technology so like you know the the cubes and all of the stuff that we've started seeing on scadrial 
those could all also be called fabrials. So I do think that there is sort of a an important thing to note about like what actually is the fabrial and is like fabrial meaning the uh you know harnessing of investiture the specific place that the power of the machine is being generated from i would hope my dream is of course that the scientist interpretation that fabrial means a spren inside a gemstone that that term actually dies out over time because my goal is I don't want them to have to be capturing spren in yeah. order to power their machines. Yeah. And so I am thinking that Fabriel is a good name to use for just our Cosmere technology, Cosmere investiture-powered technology, that is. But my hope is that the actual specific meaning that Rosharian scientists have fades away with time in the same way that like you could generate electricity with coal or you could generate electricity with a solar panel, but we don't want to use coal forever and we want other mechanisms of using. But we would still call like, you know, call it electricity. So that's kind of what I think is going on. Clearly across the Cosmere, this is important. I think there is a huge question too of like, will the discovery of how to properly, without enslaving a spren, creation of a fabrial come from Rashar because there's a user on Reddit who left a comment that really inspired me to think of well maybe Rashar is not going to be the ones who figure out how to create the best fabrials oh it might start there but then in the same way that a technology can be shared and then someone else can do it better than you can if you start sharing it here is the quote from user Ulth Withian Quote, the scariest are awakeners because they get perfect pitch. This means that once they learn the frequency for a version of light, they should be able to perfectly reproduce it, which is absolutely frightening, especially when combined with awakening magic requiring the idea of a command. And thus, I would argue, the awakeners might understand the meaning of intent more than most. End quote. They certainly have the magic system that most clearly has intent built into it. And if you combine that with an ability, we don't know if this is confirmed, this is the speculation, but if you combine that with the ability to, because of their mastery of sound, yeah, they can create capital L light, which we know is invested light, then they could have the best example of these powered gemstones that they can then create the light instead of enslaving a spren. Well, no, no, no. The problem there is that just gemstones with light in them don't create the same effects that a spren inside of a gemstone creates. Those are two completely different things. Then you just have the enslavement probably of humans. Like you're just going to have a slave trade of awakeners from Nalthus being brought to Rashar and like made to infuse gemstones. I mean, that would be really bad. But <laughs> no, I, I'm so sad about this. I think this concept that they also have of giving and sharing, not sharing always, but moving breaths around and this. See, but that's even worse. Because then, again, you just have terrible slave trades happening where you have to take breaths away from other people in order to empower yourself. Which is bad. And we don't want that to yeah, continue. Yeah, I don't right? want we, that. We want less enslavement. But I think what they are getting at is that they might be in the position to understand those fundamental mechanics. They don't have the technology. They don't have maybe the ease of and replenishment of stormlight as uh, a source of investiture. But what if they are able to create capital L light, like stormlight, and then can start all of these experiments in the same way with creating fabrials? I think my question would be, could... See, because like a couple episodes ago, we talked about rhythm and or wavelengths, sound lengths being Cosmere wide and like the potential that there is uh, that kind of concept happening on every planet. 
could an awakener then create the investiture on Nalthus, create more breath without having to take it from someone else? I don't know if it would be breath so much as it would be endowment light. Like, I think they would pull from their shard, their local shard, their regional shard. Yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. If endowment manifests on Nalthus as a breath, then them creating that wavelength would create a breath. It's not going to create light because that's not, they're not on Rashar. Possibly. I, I think if don't they know. were on Rashar and they sang the correct note, then, you know, if they sang endowment note, then, then it would create endowment, endowment light. light. Yeah. So you might have to travel to Rashar. This is where we get so crazy. <laughs> We're going so deep on the speculation. <laughs> Hold on, everyone. This is where you would have, you know, your teams of awakeners who are coming not because they're enslaved, but because they are highly valued sound engineers who go to Rashar, learn every single shard tone. All the shard songs, And then they are constantly singing and producing light in that tone. Ooh, okay. Wild theory. Excellent. (laughs) Sometime deep into the future, exactly what you said happens. Can we recreate ad nauseum with a choir a symphony yes with a symphony of all the shard tones to like recreate ad nauseum if you just sing all of the shard tones together we know that two shards can be combined right because that's why we have tower light because of the combination and the rhythm of war obviously so i think that end game everyone is just uh, a giant symphony (laughs) A big orchestra is just playing. That would be so beautiful. Can you imagine just millions of humans, maybe not even just on Rashar, all around the Cosmere, singing in harmony together? Aww. If that's right, then you win. Well, you win absolutely nothing. But I will give you a high five. Pass me. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. Exactly. (laughs) Of course, Navani ends her lecture with a plea for cooperation some of which she does get from the other humans. Yeah, but only by force. (laughs) Quote, we cannot afford to keep secrets from one another any longer. End quote. She goes on to ask Queen Fen to again ask the Thalen Fabriel Guild to share their stormlight moving tricks on behalf of the war effort, which again, she gets by force later because they don't have a choice. And then quote, One of my pleas is for Artifabrians to stop shrouding Fabrial techniques with so much mystery, end quote, meaning using decoy metals, plated metals to confuse other people and to, like, keep their proprietary technology secret and special. And I found this interesting, especially when compared to smaller, we'll call it uh, policies that Navani has tried to put in place. For example, the market in Urthiru, she developed this beautiful like plan of a 10-ringed market that all the shops would exist in. And there are those shops that exist there. However, the least reputable and the most reputable shops did not join her little policy plan. Coalition of shops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the kind of healthy middle was represented there and they got tax benefits or whatever but the really really seedy places and the really really rich like we don't want your oversight yes exactly and that for that reason i wonder you know if the benefits that she thinks she is uh asking for like stop hiding your technologies stop trying to confuse everyone if that is going to be adopted by like another core group of individuals but the most talented are probably still going to hide their stuff i mean there's always going to be a black market you know exactly like nothing you do is ever going to get rid of the black market but if you can increase cooperation and sharing even a little bit as we see in Rhythm of War, everyone is going to benefit. Oh, I think it's going to benefit. Certainly. Yeah. 
I definitely don't want to dissuade Navani from doing this. I just think what you said, you can't stop these individuals who are going to go outside of, of the mechanisms that you, she is trying to set up. And I believe that will cover the epigraphs from part one. A few episodes ago, we introduced a new segment of the pod that we then promptly forgot about. <laughs> so today we are going to do two installments of the Stormlight Archive Explained Badly. Would you like to read our first one? From Douglas Flora, quote, In a land where a Category 6 hurricane hits every couple of days, people who are mentally unstable start to develop powers and have to save the world because God is dead. End quote. <laughs> And then number two, uh, this is from Ben McSweeney, quote, sad people talk to their imaginary friends for approximately 5,000 pages so far, end quote. Both bad explanations <laughs> that are really, really great. On point. Our next episodes are going to cover the epigraphs in the other parts of Rhythm of War. We will then continue looking at different aspects of Rhythm of War Thank you so much to everyone who has already become a patron on Patreon, all of the people who listen to the podcast, who comment on the Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, all the different things. It is so great, and I will just say incredibly humbling and absolutely really helpful in this crazy, chaotic world. I know that fans have said to us, you know, in, found you in 2020, started binging, listened to them all. They really helped me kind of take my mind off all the stuff that's going on. Ten times more so for us. Like, it is incredibly helpful and incredibly meaningful to be able to talk nerdy for so long and to have other people who enjoy it and to have these crazy conversations. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. Thank you.